What a year. What, what a year, year it has been. been. From a year that had started where God's people believed in a brand new promise from the Father of Lights, who lighted a future of prosperity. Inferior as we were, he made for us video isn't working it's okay good morning everyone good to see y'all i'll tell you what was really cool a second ago i was standing here talking to mike i said hey listen listen and my back was turned and he's like what am i what am i listening for and i said just listen and you could hear talking and fellowshipping and i've missed that i don't know about you guys but i've definitely missed hearing that in this room and so it's so good to hear the energy in the room this morning and so uh there's a lot to be excited about there's a lot to be excited about. We are one, way, one week away from Easter weekend, which is the biggest weekend uh, of the year for us. And here's why. We talked to our kids Wednesday night about the cross and the resurrection because it says if the resurrection didn't happen, Paul writes in Corinthians, the resurrection didn't happen, then we are still dead in our sins. And I don't know about you, but being alive in Jesus is a lot, be, is a lot better than being dead in my sins. And so uh, I just want to leave you guys with that and something to look forward to next week is Easter Day LBC. And so um, if you want to get some people, more people here, get that energy back in the room next week. Chase is in the back corner with some invite cards to our Good Friday service. Um, hey, check this out. Good Friday, get a little uh, plug for our kids. Our students are going to be back leading on Friday night. All right, so come check that out for our Good Friday service. It's going to be amazing. Um, and then all throughout Easter weekend, celebrate Sunday morning with a sunrise service with a little breakfast to follow, because I know some of you guys, uh, you don't like waking up early without getting some breakfast in you. And so we're gonna feed y'all, don't worry. We'll take care of that. And then we'll celebrate the resurrection together. How's that sound? Well, it seems like y'all are doing all right this morning. I don't know about you guys, but the pollen has just wiped me out. I tell you what, my car was coated this morning and I just walked outside and started sneezing. And I'm not even that bad when it comes to allergies. But uh, it's good to see you guys this morning. Y'all ready to worship? Good. Well, I'm going to pray us in. God, thank you for this morning, a chance to come worship you. God, I pray this time is just glorifying to you. God, I pray that your name is lifted up and we'll just be reminded of the cross. Now, we'll realize that because of this resurrection that we're getting ready to celebrate, God, it's not just one week in the year. God, it's something we're reminded of every day is that you went to the cross for us. Help us to live a life, a reflection of just worshiping you. So we love you. We praise in your name. Amen. Stand together, y'all. You're doing good. And let's sing this, all right?
Stay. 
Jesus how you would. You know, today's Palm Sunday, right? Can you imagine that scene as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem? And everyone standing there worshiping. Palm branches in the air, laid in the road, preparing the way for him as he came in to the city. You know, and you would think, you'd think that that would mean something <laughs> to him, like from an earthly standpoint, like, wow, all these people are here, they're for me. Of course, what did they want to do with him? They wanted to make him king. That wasn't what he was there for. He wanted to be king of their heart. Those same people who were waving palm branches and celebrating his arrival into the city victoriously on that day just a week later. A lot of those same people that were saying, crucify him, crucify him. But we celebrate Palm Sunday today because he is our king, amen? And he marched into our life, and so we just, we don't have palm branches. We should have got some. We've got some up at it. We should have got them down. But we're going to honor him and worship him today. You've already done that today. You've blessed my heart with your singing already. I want you to sing one more song before pastor comes this morning and just really just just honor and worship him and, and let's have a good time this morning. All right.
tongue, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Here we go, church, sing it out. Swing wide, all of heavens, let the praise go up and the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Sing again. Swing wide, all you heavens, let the praise go up and the walls come down. All creation, everything will repeat the sound. All his children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. Thank you so much for this good, good morning, Lord. We just look forward to all you're going to do in this place today. Be with our pastor, Lord, to be with all the ones who are here. Just fill our hearts with your presence. and Just help us, God, to worship you in a true and living way, God. We thank you for all your blessings. Now you have your wills, our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Amen and amen. Jesus Christ is the author of our salvation. He is the reason that we are here. He is the reason that they've waved those palm branches on that first Palm Sunday. And I think we just need to give him some praise this morning and let him know he is welcome. He is needed. He is the reason we're here. Without Jesus Christ, we are undone. I can only imagine what it was like on that first Palm Sunday. I remember as a little boy going to the watermelon parade. I am from Cordill, Georgia, the watermelon capital of the world. I think there's a city in South Carolina that tries to fight with us about that, but we got a whole lot of watermelons in Cordill. And once a year in July, the hottest month of the year in South Georgia, of course, with more gnats than anything, but the watermelons are coming in. I know, I know Ricky Brown takes trips down to the farmer's market there in Cordial. Any of you ever go down there to the farmer's market in Cordial to get a load of watermelons and cantaloupes and all that good stuff? But we enjoyed the watermelon parade. 
We'd like to get there early on 7th Street to get a spot before it got too crowded because I knew that the bands were coming. And as I got older, I played in the high school band and I marched in that parade. The bands were coming, the, the clowns were coming, the floats were coming, people that we knew were coming. And then the Shriners and some of those guys would throw out candy. So as a little boy, of course, I wanted to be down front to get some of that candy. It was a time of great celebration. And that's much what the first Palm Sunday was like. They'd heard about Jesus, they'd heard about his miracles, and they wanted to maybe get in on that and maybe be able to witness one of those miracles. And as Pastor Mike said earlier, many of them were looking for a political leader to take them out of Roman oppression, so they waved those palm branches in worship. They took off their coats and they laid them in the street to, to welcome him. It was quite a celebration. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter number 19. Luke, chapter 19, this is the beginning of what is known as Holy Week. We remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem there on that donkey, and I hope you'll be back Friday night, as it was already said, for our Good Friday service at 6.30, and then 7.15, I believe, is our sunrise service Sunday morning. Hope you'll be a part of all of that. We pray, of course, for the weather to cooperate, and for our families with children. Most all of you have already made your reservations. Right after the service, there'll be an egg hunt, weather permitting outside. If not, it'll be inside the gym. Much, much to celebrate. If we can get fired up about a watermelon parade, surely we can get excited about Jesus who came the first time, and as we're going to see later on as we observe the Lord's Supper, we anticipate his imminent return. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, if you're physically able, and let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse number 29. As he, speaking of Jesus, came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent his two disciples ahead. Go to that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there and no one has ever, that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. And they understood that. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they'd seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But... But some of the Pharisees, some of those pseudo-religious leaders among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your follower for followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. We don't want the stones in northeast Georgia to have to give him praise this morning because we're doing that in our midst. Verse 41, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Their eyes were blinded, much as we're seeing in our society today, unfortunately. Verse 43, before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They'll crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies, your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. 
Father, we pray that you will continue to visit us today. Lord, we sense your presence as we sang your praises. We sense your presence in worship. Lord, we sense your presence as groups met all over this campus this morning to study your word. Father, without your presence, we're really just wasting our time. So I pray that you'd visit us today in a powerful and a supernatural way, that you would receive the praises of your people for you alone are worthy. And God, I pray you'll move on the hearts of people to make spiritual commitments today that will matter even a thousand years from today. So we just thank you in advance, believing you're going to do great stuff for your glory today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm telling you, it's good to see the house filling back up. Next Sunday, of course, is Easter Sunday, as has been mentioned, uh, the biggest Sunday of the year. So we're trying to recognize what's going on in the world. We're recognizing that many people have their vaccinations and are, are venturing back out. You'll notice a few little changes here. We've removed the chains on the two sides over here because that's the section where I sit, where people who can't keep your mask on the whole time can sit. So if you feel like you can't wear a mask the whole time and next Sunday at Easter we realize we're going to need some more space so we ask you to sit in those sections and then those that still feel like you need to be more careful that's between you and the Lord and your doctor we ask you to sit in these sections but we believe we're going to have a packed house next week verse 35 that we just read is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 one of the greatest authentications that Jesus is really the Messiah are the fulfilled prophecies, promises that were made hundreds of years before he ever showed up on earth. So when you look at all of those prophecies, there's no way that these things just happen by circumstance. No, God supernaturally put the pieces of the puzzle together so that when Jesus came, they knew indeed he was the Messiah and he was worthy of praise. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, a couple hundred years before said, rejoice. O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Many of them recognized when they saw Jesus riding on that donkey, as if there was any doubt left, surely this man must be the Messiah. So it was a great day for celebration. It was a great day for exuberance. Jesus was worshiped and he was praised, but yet Friday was coming. They were excited on Palm Sunday in the parade atmosphere, but yet Friday was coming. If they read all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, clearly it was prophesied that Messiah must die, be buried, and rise again three days later. So many of the people in that crowd that day waving the palm branches were some of the same people that just days later went from shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, to crucify him crucify him. Shouts of praise turn to cries for murder. Many people know what to say, how to say it, how to look, how to dress, how to act, how to put the Christian fish on your car or the bumper sticker. But in reality, when the chips are down, there's no reality of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't know all about the crowd that was there that day, but surely based on the events of the following week, many of them were phony in their worship of the Lord. Write this down, number one. Jesus is worthy of exuberant worship. I like that word, exuberant. I've tried to use it a lot this week. Jesus is worthy of exuberant worship. It means enthusiastic, unrestrained enthusiasm. 
If you've ever been to Sanford Stadium in Athens, otherwise known as the Georgia Holy Land, when that lone trumpet player gets up in that end zone and he starts to play the battle hymn of the Bulldog Nation, tell the truth, how many of you get chills from head to toe like I do? There's an exuberance about that because I know that the dogs are going to be out there soon and they're going to fight. Listen, what a hypocrite I would be if I get excited about that and I get chills about a football team that didn't die for my sins, and I come to church and sit here like a knot on a log, not like I'm really worshiping the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's worthy of our exuberant worship. We lavish that on him because he and he alone is worthy of that. Look again at verse 37. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Man, it's exciting to be in the presence of the Lord. I don't want to point people out, but I just can't help it. It's so good to see my brother Tom Wilson back today. Tom and Anita, you know, Tom has fought that battle with COVID and had some complications. And this is just a joy to my eyes to walk in and see Tom today. And you still continue to pray for Tom. And I said, Tom, if the Holy Ghost puts it on you to get up and run around and dance before the Lord, God will put the, lung, the, lung, the breath in your lungs to be able to do that if it's Holy Spirit inspired. We ought to be exuberant in our worship. Verse 38, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of those Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he told them, as I just reminded you, if they don't praise me, the stones, the rocks, and the hills will cry out. Now, I understand we're all different. Thank God all of you are not, worship, are not wired like I am. That'd be a whole lot of hyperactive people in one building. I get that we're all wired differently. Not everybody worships the same. There is no prescribed formula for worship in Scripture other than it ought to be sincere and it ought to be enthusiastic. I probably told you our, our pastor of Second Baptist Warner Robins, Brother Rastus Salter, who served for over 40 years, he sat on the platform so it wasn't as difficult for him to get up and down at the age of 80. Brother Doyle, if Preacher did this during the music, we knew he was real excited. He was just that way. He was that way watching sports and everything else. That was the way he was wired. People are wired differently. But if the, if the Spirit of God moves on you to stand, you stand. If the Spirit of God moves on you to lift your hands, you lift your hands. If the Spirit of God moves on you to get on our knees and say, Oh me, woe is me in the presence of the Lord. You feel free to worship the Lord as the Spirit of God tells you to do. Listen, I know y'all are tired of me saying it, but he ain't, he ain't even two months old yet. And I talk about that grandbaby all the time. He came over the other night. We had dinner with them, and he was fussy, and he wasn't feeling good. And my son forgets that we've had children. My son forgets that he was one of ours, and we held him, and we comforted him. And when that little boy gets fussy, my son is a baby hog. He don't think anybody can hold Wyatt but him. I get so excited. So this morning I said, look, Papa got gypped the other night. He wasn't feeling good. Can we come see him today? I can't get enough of that little boy. And you see, I like to talk about him. And if you don't want to see his pictures, don't look at my Facebook page, all right? You're just free to scroll right along. Doesn't hurt my feelings. But I waited long enough to be a Papa. Many of my friends have teenagers for grandchildren. So I'm excited about that boy. If I can get excited about him, or when my wife comes home from work, or especially when she's been away in Florida caring for her mother, I get so excited when she comes home. I get excited to see the dogs. You get excited to see your favorite team. If you get excited about your grandkids and your spouse and a team that did not die for your sins, why do we worship like a knot on a log in church? Now again, if that's just the way you're wired, you just worship the way that you're wired. But I've seen... 90-something thousand of my closest friends at Sanford Stadium. I see how y'all do. Paint half your face red and half your 
face black and we say blood makes the grass grow kill kill and we stand up and holler and we come to church and do our best to stay awake when we get a glimpse of his glory when we realize the one that we're worshiping is the one that died for my sins, a sorry nobody joker like me, he was willing to die for me, I ought to be exuberant in my worship of him and give him exuberant praise. Now, we all have different preferences, right? How many of you, when we sang How Great Thou Art, this morning it was your favorite song. How many of you would say that? A lot of people, that's your favorite, favorite song. You know, for some of us, like me, songs are tied to specific memories. And I remember specific times of watching the Passion Play in Warner Robins and my grandmother just literally collapsing on my chest and sobbing in worship as our choir and orchestra did How Great Thou Art. We worship in different ways, but he's worthy of exuberant praise. And some of you like more serious, more calm, Clearly, I'm not that person. But Psalm chapter 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him in his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Some of you Baptists just had a heart attack there. But that's what, am I reading scripture or not? Is that what the Bible says or not? Praise him with strings and flutes. That's why I love our orchestra up here. Maybe we don't have a flute. If you play a flute or a harp, you come on and be a part of our orchestra. Praise, praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Hank, beat them loud, the Bible says. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. I believe we ought to be exuberant in our worship. And church, may I thank you for the way you responded to Pastor Mike's news last week. You just embraced him. You honored him as he transitions to the role of executive pastor. And as we're seeking God's men to, to fill that position, I want somebody who ain't afraid to lead us in exuberant worship and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and excited about that. Well, number two, we've got to have the Lord's Supper in a minute. Number two, Jesus is worthy of our consent consistent not casual worship he's worthy of our consistent but not casual worship if i come in here and jump up and down and raise my hands on sundays and i never do that the rest of the week that's not consistent not only is it not consistent it might not be genuine if you see me riding down the road with my hands up in the air i'm probably listening to music that moves me to worship and the thing about being by myself in my car can't none of y'all hear me and i don't have to worry about hurting your ears when i sing out loud and worship the lord in my car i'm a little more careful in church because i don't want to offend anybody these people appeared to have religion but the events of the following week tells me that a lot of them didn't have the real thing so you can wear your christian t-shirt by the way we've got brand new t-shirts i don't know if they're available today chase are they available not today but you'll be seeing them out there some awesome awesome t-shirts want you to wear those in the community as a witness of our savior and i believe it says you belong here right ALBC for you to wear that out and people ask you about it and invite them to come to our church i just want to tag along with what pastor andrew said pick up a street get an assignment take some door hangers if you want to take your own street my wife and i were out yesterday we met brand new neighbors from puerto rico and they don't have a church home yet and they were excited that we invited them so i'm looking around i don't know if they here or not we invited them to come to the egg hunt today it's just that simple you walk 
and you pray and you invite and most of the time you don't encounter anybody you just put the door hanger on the door I think we can do that we wear the t-shirts we have yard signs for you to put in your yard or in prominent places in our city to invite people to our Easter services we want people to come we want people to experience the presence and the power of God and we are excited about it we want to be consistent in that not just Sunday morning only Christians in our text today I think some of the people praised him because of the miracles there were gawkers they were coming to see if they might get to see one of those miracles they thought he was going to be the political leader to bring them out of Roman oppression so here's the deal their praise was measured by what Jesus could do for them their praise was measured by Jesus giving them their best life now if you will they praised him as long as everything went good when coronavirus hit and you're stuck at home and you can't go anywhere, is he still worthy of praise? Is he still the same God? Is he still the same God if you find out the job you plan to spend the rest of your life doing is no longer your job anymore? Is he still God if you have a child that you raised to love and serve the Lord and now they're not? Is he still God? Is he still worthy of praise? I'm afraid that their praise for him was casual and not consistent. And at times in our life, I'll just point at me first of all, at times in my life, it's not always consistent. It's cultural Christianity today. It's all about me. Me, me, me. What can it do for me? And thank God it's not the case all over the world. In other parts of the world, that's not the kind of religion that they have. But I'm afraid in America, with all of our air-conditioned buildings and all of our different choices and our orchestras and all the different things that we have, it's all about me. I'll come as long as you don't step on my toes. I'll come as long as Pastor Mike sings the songs that I like. I'll come as long as you don't ask me to do anything or get out of my comfort zone. That is a casual and a not consistent Christianity. I'm asking you on this Palm Sunday, let's purpose in our heart to give him our exuberant worship and to give him our consistent worship as well. Because in that moment of the parade, it was the trendy thing to do. Peer pressure is not always bad. As a youth pastor, I used to tell our teenagers, peer pressure is not bad. I want you to be peer pressure. I want you to go to your school, and I want y'all to be peer pressure. You be peer pressure to live for the Lord Jesus. There was some peer pressure in the crowd that day to worship Jesus. And so sometimes we just need a little nudge. We just need a little bump to say, it's all right. Come on, let's just praise the Lord. But I think some of them just got caught up in that because it was the trendy thing to do, clearly when they were shouting, crucify him just days later temporarily hosanna hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord but just a few days later that wasn't the trend the trend at that time was to say we want a murderer give us barabbas let barabbas go and let's crucify jesus some of the same people it's a warning on this palm sunday not just for them but for us that our worship must be exuberant and it must be consistent because peer pressure is a real thing when other people are praising the Lord it can encourage you to praise the Lord when other people are griping and complaining about the music or the preacher or the temperature or the life group or whatever it's just kind of an infectious thing so let's purpose in our heart that we we're gonna be positive peer pressure we want to build people up in the sweet name of Jesus and then later on at the trial of Jesus we'll look at some next week 
You couldn't speak up for him. If you spoke up for him then, it could have cost you your very life. Let's, don't just, let's not just come to Jesus expecting what can he do for us, but let's come to Jesus giving him the praise that he's worthy of even when the storms of life come. So it's easy to praise him at D now, isn't it, young people? I mean, over at, at Chestnut Mountain, what an environment of worship and praise. It's easy to praise him at an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. And I feel sorry for some of you because those are no longer trendy. I don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I bet many of you in this building have never even participated in a revival. Dr. Gerald Harris, from the former editor of the Christian Index, he's now stepped back in. He's preached in this pulpit, did an interview with me last week, and I said, I long for the day that we get past coronavirus and we can talk about scheduling some of these God-called evangelists. It's God's call in their life to come in, and we beg for revival. We have special services. We say, look, Life is busy. It's not convenient. But we're going to set aside a time, whether it's a one-day revival or a few days or whatever, and we're just going to beg God. We're going to beg the God to pour down the glory and let us experience genuine, heaven-sent, Holy Ghost revival. And revival just means a fresh, new obedience. You can't revive what's never been vived. If you've never been saved, you can't be revived. You just need to get saved. That's the first thing that we need to do. So what about the next day after when... A spouse looks at you and says, I don't love you anymore. What about the next day when your child says, I know what you taught me as a child, but I'm telling you, he is still worthy of our praise then. And I don't know about you, but I need to praise him when the chips are down even more than I do on just a regular Sunday to keep my focus on King Jesus and who he is. So that's where true contentment comes from. True contentment comes when we can give him exuberant, consistent praise regardless of the circumstances. So let me ask you about your worship this morning. Is it tepid? Is it lukewarm? Well, we know what God has to say about lukewarm. When you look at the lukewarm church in the book of Revelation, God says it makes him sick. God says our lukewarm lifestyle, our lukewarm or tepid worship makes him want to vomit us out of his mouth. That's gross, but it's what the Bible says. Is your worship tepid? Is your worship conditional? Or is your worship consistent and exuberant? It's so appropriate that we talk about worship and the fact that he's worthy as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table. As we prepare to come to the Lord's table, we remember what Jesus did when he came that first time. We're reminded that he's coming back again, that whatever you're going through right now, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. And we know that the best is yet to come. So why not give him praise even today? As we prepare to come to the Lord's table, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 reminds us in verse 27. Therefore, whoever drinks the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, means inconsistent worship, insincere worship. My heart's not really right. He says that's, that's a dangerous thing because we'll be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. I'm not examining you. You're not examining me. The command of Scripture is let's examine our own heart. Let's draw a circle around ourselves and just look inside that circle and say, Lord, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Is there anything that I've not brought before you and sought your forgiveness? I don't want there to be any hindrance in me taking the Lord's Supper. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment, that's a strong word, to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. And you know, right there, sleep is a euphemism for people have died. 
So before we get to the Lord's Supper, as long as God lets me be your pastor, I will always offer a time of invitation. That just means an opportunity to respond to the word of the Lord and let's get our hearts right. Because if we do not, the results can be fatal according to scripture. 1 Corinthians 11.30, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some of you have even died. So if your heart's not right, you're much better off today to just abstain and nobody's going to judge you. In fact, you know, I, I hope we're looking within our own heart. But if somebody sees you pass the elements and don't receive them, they'll probably just have respect for you knowing that you have obeyed the scripture. But I'm telling you, there's no reason for that because we're about to have an opportunity to get it right. If you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, the one that they praised, the one that all of them did not know, just days later on Good Friday, he was going to be crucified on a cross. Why did he do that? Was it because he was a wimp? Was it because he was a loser? Was it because he had no control over the circumstances? No, that's why he came. That's why he was born in that Bethlehem manger in the first place. He was born to die so that a nobody like me could have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. He came so that you could know him in a real, in a tangible, in a personal way. If you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you may be Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian or whatever. You may have a religious label. Maybe you've been sprinkled or dunked in a baptismal pool. But the reality is in your heart of hearts, there's no assurance of your salvation. The most important thing anybody can ever ask you is, are you certain of your salvation? Are you certain of your relationship with Jesus? Not just because we get to go to heaven. I mean, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come when I see Jesus. But I didn't give my life to Jesus just to go to heaven. I would submit to you if that's the only reason we quote unquote got saved, we've missed the boat. We give our life to Jesus in recognition that he is king of all kings. He's Lord of all lords. He is worthy of all praise. I deserve to die and go to heaven, and I want to give my life and surrender to him. And heaven is just kind of like the cherry on top of the Sunday at Dairy Queen, if you will. The best is yet to come. But he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of us saying, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Times are bad out there, y'all. Y'all realize this, right? Times are difficult out there. I don't know how lost people get out of bed and face another day. Because if we're just being real as Christian family here, it's hard for us, isn't it? It's hard for us when we turn on the news and we see some of the things that's happening in the world today. And we got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So people are watching us to see, will we be victorious? Will we live out the truth of Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors, regardless of what the world does, regardless of what the government does, regardless of what lost people do? We are more than conquerors. Greater is Jesus that lives in you, 1 John says, than the sorry, stinking, lying devil that's in the world. So the world that's looking for peace and looking for hope, you know where they're going to see it? in us. And if they don't see it in us, they come to the conclusion that we're either hypocrites or it's just not really real at all. Look at your conclusion there. Is your worship tepid, lukewarm? Is it conditional? Or is it misplaced? I submit to you, everybody worships something. Everybody worships something. What are you worshiping? For some of us, that may be a grandchild or a child or a spouse or a sports team or a house or a car or stuff or a bank account. I'm telling you, only Jesus died for our sins and only Jesus is worthy of our worship. Number two, here's your peer pressure question. Are you influenced by or do you influence the crowd? When you walk up on somebody at church, now this wouldn't happen here. Of course it wouldn't happen here, but in other churches. If you walk up on somebody who's being critical and negative about the staff or the Sunday school teacher or the deacons or somebody, and you walk up on that, you got a choice to make right then and there. 
You can join in, you can give in to the trend of the crowd and just gripe and complain with them, or you can just turn the attention and say, man, isn't God good? Can you believe Jesus died for people like us? And let's just turn the focus and the attention back on Jesus where it ought to be. So let's not be influenced by the crowd, but let's influence the crowd for the glory of God. And finally, number three, what must you do to prepare your heart for the Lord's Supper? What must you do to prepare your heart for the Lord's Supper? I want us to prepare our hearts. And let me just take away any fears or concerns you may have. We're not going to pass the baskets. We still realize COVID is a real thing. People are getting sick, but we'll not pass the baskets. Our, our men will come, and they'll have on gloves, and they'll disperse among the congregation, and they'll look at you and ask how many. When they look at you, it may be hard to tell because they have a mask on. You just kind of hold up how many fingers, how many you need. If it's just one, you say one, and they'll hand it to you with gloves on so you don't pass it along. We're using the prepackaged communion elements. I would ask you, don't open any of that until we give you instructions to do so. Because if you open the juice first, you got to turn it over and pull the wafer out first, and that juice is going to get all over you. So we're going to do our best to keep everybody safe, but most of all, we're going to do our best to honor the Lord because he says we ought to do this until he comes again. Pray with me, church. Father, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of all of my praise. Forgive me, Lord, sometimes when my worship is misappropriated to places that it ought not to be. God, I pray that you would be today, every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. God, more than anything else, I want you, Jesus, to be my magnificent obsession. I want you to be the thing that lights my fire more than anything else because you and you alone are worthy. Lord, I pray for people today who just don't get it. They don't have that exuberance in worship because they've never trusted you as the Lord and Savior of their life. They've never come to that realization that, well, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. They've never come to the realization that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life and died on that old rugged cross in fulfillment of the Scriptures, buried, rose again on the third day so that we could have eternal life. God, I pray somebody today will grasp that truth. God, I pray today that somebody who's never gone public with their faith, Lord, show them there's no such thing as a secret agent Christian. Lord, you say if we confess you before men, you'll confess us, confess us before our Father who is in heaven. Lord, if there are those who've been saved and need to be baptized, I pray you give them that boldness, that exuberance. Lord, as an act of worship to say, I want to follow the Lord in baptism. Lord, for those who have been praying and asking for your leadership and your guidance of a, a, a spirit-filled, biblically-based church home to unite with. God, I pray today would be the day that some folks would do that. Lord, I believe these altars ought to be covered. You've told us to examine our hearts. Lord, may we come and get before you at this altar before we think about taking the Lord's Supper. Thank you that you've told us as believers when we mess up that if we confess our sins that you are faithful and just or forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, some folks may need to do that today. Lord, some of us may just need to come to this altar and commit once again, Lord, give me a fresh fire for worship. Some of us need to come and pray for lost people in our family or around us that we need to invite to church on Easter Sunday, that we need to share the gospel with. Lord, in this time, help us just to honor you with our obedience. Lord, you're more interested in our obedience and our hearts than you are our words. So may you, may you be honored in this time as our prayer. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And amen. Is everything all right between you and holy God, the one who gave his only begotten son to die on that cross for our sins? If everything's all right between you and him, hallelujah. There's no greater place of peace in your heart to be than right there, amen? If everything's all right between you and the Lord, maybe you want to come and pray for somebody that's not okay with them in the Lord. 
You want to talk to someone about being saved? Our pastors will be here. The greatest thing we can do is tell you how you can know Jesus in a real and a personal way. If you want to talk about being baptized, I know that some churches say you can't take the Lord's Supper unless you've been baptized. I think that's a common thing in Baptist churches. Can I tell you, I don't think that's biblical. I don't see that requirement in Scripture. If you've been saved, if you got saved this morning and you had not been baptized, I'm not going to tell you you can't take the Lord's Supper. I don't think that's in the Bible. But I do think it is important to take that next step of obedience and let the world know you're not ashamed of the Lord. So if you want to talk about that, we'll talk to you about that. But if you're saved, we invite you to take of the Lord's Supper today. For our children amongst us, I know it's a conviction that my wife and I had. For our children, we didn't let them do that until they trusted Jesus. Some parents said, well, I do it to teach them. We wanted John Michael and Holly Ann to look forward to that. We wanted them to know it's something special. It's not just a religious ritual that we do. It means something because you've given your heart and your life to Jesus. How sweet it was when our kids gave their life to Jesus and could take their first Lord's Supper. So as we stand together in worship and turn our eyes upon Jesus, we prepare our hearts. That means you come and pray privately, you do that. That means you come and pray with your family, you do that. If you have a spiritual commitment, we can help you with you. Do that right now as we stand and we sing.
that true? When we turn our eyes upon Jesus, the one who died on a cross for our sins, we look full in his wonderful face, everything else grows strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Amen. Be seated, if you will, as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. At the conclusion of the service, my understanding is that we think we have some new members to present and to share with you. It's been a while since we've done that. In the day and age of COVID, again, it's a little bit different. So we will just probably present some families for you and some people to you and, and let you welcome them in the name of Jesus. But for now, you remember, prior to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, he instituted the Lord's Supper. And he said, this is to be a perpetual reminder of what he did for me and what he did for you. And we are to do this until he comes again. He doesn't give us a prescription of how often we should do this. Some churches do it every single week. That's, that's their preference. But for me, I just think when we do it, I want it to be special. I don't want it to be something that we just do out of rut and out of routine. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, again, verse 23. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, when Judas came and betrayed him, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He was telling them, I'm about to be crucified. They're about to, to break my body for your sins. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again, reminding us that the best is yet to come. So the Lord's Supper was instituted by the Lord Jesus himself to his followers, born-again Christians, only for those who were part of the family of God. It's a proclamation of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and his imminent return. That bread symbolizes his body broken for our sins. The juice, the fruit of the vine, more accurately translated from the original languages of the Scripture, the fruit of the vine symbolizes the blood that he shed for our sins. And it wasn't just any blood. It wasn't like my blood and your blood. It was precious blood. He was born of a virgin. The curse of sin was not passed on from an earthly daddy in that blood. This blood was not just any blood, but it was precious blood. Just one drop of the Savior's blood would have been enough to cleanse whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. So as our men come and serve the elements, let's prepare our hearts. As they ask you how many you need, you just respond, and they will hand those to you. And then let's remain in an attitude of prayer until we do this together. Amen. So men, you come, and let's serve our people.
I don't know about you, but when Janice was playing uh, the old rugged cross, we got to that line in my brain. I'm singing along in my brain. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. That means a lot more today than it did even a year ago, does it not? As we see the attacks against born-again believers in the Word of God, will we still say it's shame and reproach gladly bear? Because of that cross, I'm going to heaven. Because of that cross, I can see my loved ones who are there. Because of what Jesus did by giving his body for my sins. You can peel off the top section with a little wafer there as we prepare and read the scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23 says, The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for our sins. Verse 25 says, In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Our Father and our Savior, may we never get used to, may we never get accustomed, may we never do something like this out of rut or routine, but Lord, may we be moved with the sacrifice of our Savior, that he did it for sinful people like us. God, thank you for your body and your blood given for people like us. So, Lord, I pray you'll move upon us with the sense of urgency as we live in these last days. You tell us there until you come again. Give us a sense of urgency in just a few moments when we dismiss this building that want to be faithful to pray over the homes in our community. want to be faithful to share the good news of your gospel and to be your ambassadors because you and you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, as I said in the day and age of COVID, things are a little different and things are a little awkward. So I've gotten word that we have a few families that are joining today. So if, if those families would be willing to come and just let us share with the church family, some of our men will come and get some information from you. While I remind you again, you can see Pastor Chase back here in the back to get some assignments for pray and for, for pray and go. You can pick up a yard sign on the way out. And if you want to do your very own neighborhood, you can do that as well. So coming this morning for sure, I know, is Miss Pam Rowe. Well, Pam planned to come a few weeks ago, and it was a mix-up in communication between me and her. You know, again, it's different with COVID. When she didn't come, I thought, maybe she changed her mind, so I didn't say anything. Uh, but Miss Pam is coming. Um, you just kind of, if you don't mind, let's let our people see who you are. Miss Pam Rowell knows Jesus as the Lord and Savior of her life. She's been scripturally baptized. Amen. We welcome her. Amen. She's, she's coming alone this morning. Her husband is a believer as well, but he works a job at the hospital in Winder, I believe, and he has to work every Sunday. So she said, I'm not waiting. I'm just going to come on and come. She knows the Lord. She's coming, moving her letter from the Grove, I believe. Is that correct? No? From Maysville. She served the Lord there, I think, in the student ministry and volunteered there. We look forward to getting to know you, Miss Pam, better and you using your gifts and abilities for the Lord. So we welcome you to the family of God this morning. Is there anyone else that I missed this morning? I don't want to put people on the spot. All right. Thank you so much for being here. If you're here, if you're here as a guest for the very first time, or maybe it's not your first time, 
but I've never met you. I want to meet you. My wife and I would count it an honor to meet you. And the problem with being my age and forgetful is sometimes I think I hadn't met you, but I have, and I just need you to give me that boost and, and remind me that I've met you. But if you're here for the first time, we've got a gift we'd like to give you in the back. So, Pastor Mike, do you mind praying us out of here? I will pray us out. I'm going to let everybody know, too, before we pray. I uh, got a text from Pastor Kevin. A lot of you may be wondering where we're meeting at. They've made a decision. We're going to meet in the Family Life Center. So if you've got children with the egg hunt uh, or preschoolers, um, what's your children too, ain't they? They're all children. Family Life Center, okay? So immediately after this, just make your way down there. Be careful. I don't know if it's still storming or not. Thank you all for being here this morning. Let's leave just rejoicing and continue worshiping and praising wherever we find ourselves at today. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you and thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for sending your son to die for us. Thank you, God, that he rose victorious after that. And then, Father, just victorious over the grave, death, and that we can have that same victory today, and we claim that, Lord. Thank you for this day and this time. Bless us. Keep us mindful of you in all that we do. Help us, Father, to be bold in our witness, sharing the gospel with others, and, Lord, just, just showing a life that, that, that we love you, that others can see your love through us and the things we do. Thank you again for this day and this time together. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.